Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. the Gospels, man. I, I think every Sunday morning we should be reading the Gospels, preaching the Gospel. How many know the New Testament is the, the Christian interpretation of the Old Testament? If we don't understand the New Testament, we can't understand the Old Testament. If we don't know who Jesus is, we can't understand the New Testament either. And so we read the Scripture through the lens of the eternal Word of God, who is Jesus. He's the perfect revelation of the Father. Hebrews one, uh, one verse three, chapter one, verse three, uh, Colossians one fifteen. Jesus is the expressed image of the Father, and so He is the pinnacle, the revelation, the self-revelation of God. And, um, and, and so when we read the Gospels, we see the love of the Father manifested. We see the Spirit at work, the Spirit that Jesus was anointed with by his Father, the Spirit that he walked in. The Bible says God anointed Jesus with the Spirit and power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we see that operation, and we, and we, we actually look and say, God, all right, what are you speaking and what are you doing in my life, in my church, in my community, come on, in my city, in my nation, and in the world abroad? And we need to hear what the Spirit is saying. How many know it's one thing to gain a little bit of knowledge of Scripture, it's another to have a revelation of the person of Jesus? You know, the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge, but we, we stop right there. It's the knowledge of God. It's not just knowledge. We can memorize scripture till we're blue in the face, but if it doesn't lead us to Jesus and an experience and encounter with Jesus, come on. I haven't started preaching yet, but I will in a minute. But it's so important that when we read through the Gospels, that we, we, when we read through Scripture, the entirety of Scripture, that we see Jesus in the text. How does it point to Him? And when I look to Him, I encounter Him, and I'm transformed by Him. And, and that's what we do. And so um, that was a short introduction. Uh, it's just free. It really doesn't have that much to do with my message, maybe a little bit. But let's start at verse 40. Let's read together. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. I love that. For they were all waiting for him. They were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had only one daughter, and it says he only, uh, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But he went, and the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed, came from behind and touched the border, or the hem of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples are like, Lord, you're tripping. Sorry, I'm just giving a little paraphrase here. There's crowds around you. What you talking about, Lord? What you talking about, Rabbi, Jesus? And then he says, no, you don't get it. I felt something. I felt power flow out of me. Uh, and, uh, and then the woman realized uh, that, that Jesus knew that she was healed. And she fell before them and told everyone that she'd been healed. And Jesus says, daughter, verse 48, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. And then just then one of Jairus's, uh, some, uh, from the house of Jairus came a man. He says, your daughter's already passed. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But when Jesus heard it, he said, don't be afraid. Only 
believe and she will be made well. This is a great time, real quick, I'm going to re- read the rest of the story in just a second, but a great time for us to look at the next generation and say, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. As messy as it is right now, may the faith of God rise up in our hearts to see what heaven sees. They ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. So they went from weeping to, cry- to laughing. Um, and it says they put him outside. Uh, he put them all outside. I love this, man. It's like Jesus realizes that there's, there comes a time where you have to set, set healthy boundaries in order to see life and awakening. There are people of faith, wisdom, and, 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 and uh, an element of the spiritual life that you need close to you so that you can do what God called you to do. And, and that's hard to do sometimes. It's hard for me because I'm like the overly inclusive guy. I want to invite everybody to my birthday. I can't do a birthday list. I'll publicize it. I'll put it in the paper. I want everyone there. Not just because I like a lot of gifts, but I want to include everybody. But Jesus didn't, he literally excluded nine of his 12. And he said, I want Peter, James, and John and come in here and watch what I'm about to do. And, it, and the story goes on. Jerry's his daughter. He says, no, she's not. Don't weep. They're crying, right? Don't weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. And of course, they laughed. Uh, it's funny how the religious crowd goes from crying because they're professional weepers to laughing. And uh, Jesus obviously just exposed the phoniness of that. Then he said, little girl, arise. Her spirit returned. She arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given some grub. Come on, I'm paraphrasing again. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them all not to, charged them all not to tell Uh, anyone what had happened. All right, Lord, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for your presence in Jesus name. You know, I, I, uh, I was reading this and in preparation, verse 40 really highlighted me. I want to jump back there real quick. It says they welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. There's something about waiting on the Lord. Last week, I read a Psalm to you that speaks of waiting in expectancy, this word wait does not mean sitting and looking at your clock. Um, even though I think we do that often, um, especially, I mean, there's so many distractions as it is. Uh, even I find myself, I'm praying in the office and my stupid cell phone, I probably just need to put it in a, in a box and lock the box and then spend time in prayer. Um, how many know there's so many distractions, but even in worship, you know, we're looking at our clocks and we're waiting for worship to go. There's something about in the heart where God, now we know that the people heard about who Jesus was. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can you imagine just being a part of the multitude and hearing this guy's going around raising the dead. He's doing all these miracles. He preaches the good news. Sinners love him. Like, I don't know what it is about this. There's something about this Jesus guy. Something about the name Jesus. Don't get me singing. There's something about this Jesus guy. And the Bible says that they welcomed him because God doesn't manifest his power and presence where he's tolerated, but where he's welcomed and celebrated. And I believe that there is an awakening happening right now where we as the people of God need to welcome, make space, 
and live in a, pla- in a place of expectancy, not looking at our clocks and hoping 22 minutes of worship passes by so we can hear a sermon and gain a little scripture knowledge so we feel religiously superior throughout the rest of the week. Instead, how about we encounter God and we expect Him. The word wait in the Greek is to anticipate eagerly. And they were waiting for Jesus. They were just, just expectant for Him. And we see in the story here uh, the ruler of the synagogue. The ruler of the synagogue, right? Probably, you know, some of the same friends that ridiculed and denied that Jesus had a legitimate ministry. And he was desperate. And it says he fell down at Jesus' feet. When I read that this week, I'm like, I want to be like Jarius. I don't want to have to be in, God forbid I'm ever in the situation that Jarius was in, where it's, you know, it's his 12-year-old daughter. She's dying. He's like, Lord, I need you to come pray for my daughter. I mean, the love that a father has for his kids. Yeah. But I love that Jairus fell down at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. May we be like him, that we're not ashamed, even though he had a religious stature to uphold. It didn't matter. He fell down at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. He was probably ridiculed for it. We don't know. And, and then Jesus is like, all right. Let's go. Let's roll. I'll go pray for your daughter. Are you thankful for the Lord? Now, the Bible says she was 12 years old. And then there's this woman that has an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, the elephant in the room, the issue of blood is, we know what the issue of blood is, right? I'll just, let me put it lightly, even though the story is not a light issue, no pun intended. Um, It was a heavy flow. I'm sorry. I just, sometimes my mind... You guys know the two ministry names you never want to name your men's and women's ministry, right? Especially our church. Men's ministry, don't call it Encounter Men. It's very confusing. <laughs> the other one, the women's ministry, don't call it the Women's Monthly. Because, and that, okay. So we know, and I'm not trying to make light of, I'm just the elephant in the room. We all know what the the flow of blood was, right? I'm not looking at my wife's face right now. I won't look at it. Hi, honey. You're starting a woman's gathering, right? Is it called the Women's Monthly? Okay, that's good. We will never approve a men's ministry called Encounter Men. We won't. Maybe Encounter Jesus, yeah. So 12 years. So you have a little girl. Right around the same time this girl was born, the celebration of new life, this other woman is hemorrhaging. She's not able to have children. I think it's a type of the bride. Not able to receive the seed of God to reproduce. She spent all of her money, all of her resources... All the doctors, I think the church has spent a lot of resources on methods and different things, trying to make church happen, trying to make, trying to grow the church, hello somebody, trying to reproduce, but with pew warmers, not disciples, or just converts, not disciples. I mean, no, the Bible doesn't say make converts, it says make disciples. And there's, it, it takes a lot. There's relationship involved and all that. But we, we see that this woman, she spent all of her money, all of her resources. And, but she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. 
And, and it, what's profound to me is that there's all the crowd that's actually pressing alongside Jesus, but then there's one in the crowd that deliberately says, I'm going to touch him. See, I don't want to be just a person in the crowd that sits in a pew or attends a service. I want to be the one that says, no, I want to deliberately and intentionally touch Jesus. You know, it's possible that she was clinging to a promise in Malachi chapter 4. It says that the sun will arise with healing in his wings. The word wing is the word where we get the, the word hem. And the rabbi would wear something that on the hem, the tassel of his garment that represented the promises of God. Maybe she was clinging to the promise of God. She says the sun will arise with healing in his wings if she could just touch. But here, there's something that's even more profound about the story. She was unclean. According to Leviticus 15, she wasn't even supposed to be out in public, let alone touching other people, let alone near a rabbi or touching a rabbi or near Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. She wasn't even allowed in synagogue. In the Old Testament, if you had a sacrifice, let's say it was a lamb, had to be pure and spotless, right? And you, if you're bringing that lamb to the sacrifice and that lamb touched something that was unclean, let's say a leper or whatever, the sacrifice was no good. In the new covenant, though, the lamb of God doesn't get defiled when this woman touches him, but rather he sanctifies her. Wow. But the deliberate intentionality of the anticipation in her heart to say, I just want to touch Jesus. I don't want to press into Jesus. You hear our language. I don't want to just rub shoulders with Jesus, with the man of God. I want to encounter him. I thought of the verse this week in Philippians that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings that I might by any means attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul says everything that I've done, even including keeping the law and all of his religious stuff, he says, I count it all as dung. The Greek vernacular is probably more like crap. I count it all as just doo-doo. He says, but I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I love the story because I believe it's a type of the church. I believe it's a type of the bride that we've, we've wasted our resources and we're trying to do things. And it's Jesus is like, no, if you just like, we're trying to make the platform something. And he's like, if you just let me take the platform, I'll, I'll rearrange everything, man. I'll fix all. It, it, oh, you want racial reconciliation or ethnic reconciliation? Uh, just invite me to your table because if my presence is there, the walls are going to come down. Like there's so many things we're trying to do without Jesus. And this woman had it in her to say, Lord, if I just touch the hem of your garment, I will be made whole. And Jesus stops in the crowd. He's like, whoa, what was that? And of course, Peter's like, Lord, you're tripping. Like what? there's people all around you. He's like, no, you don't understand. I felt power, virtue flowing out of me felt virtue flowing out of me. And the woman realized, oh, some teachers would say that the reason Jesus stopped was so that she would know that she was healed, but also like know that it was Jesus that healed her. It wasn't a coincidence, but also it was a recognition that she was no longer unclean. Oh, man. In front of everybody, in front of Jarius, go in peace. Daughter, he calls her. Daughter. 
So you have a woman sick for 12 years and a daughter 12 years old. And then their worlds collide 12 years. 12 is the number of God's government, God's rule. The kingdom of God is here now. Jesus manifests his love through space and time. Bam, their worlds collide. 12 years, a baby, but prior to that, a baby's being celebrated, a little girl, and a woman begins suffering with a flow of blood. But then Jesus shows up. Now, now we know, I, I read to you earlier, you know, they're like, it's too late. And the rest of the story, Jesus, I mean, he resurrected the little girl. He told her, arise, little girl. He also calls her daughter, little girl. Now, how many know that right now the church needs to be alive and fruitful in order to bring hope to the world? The world needs the gospel. The world needs the kingdom of God. And the Bible says the church, the people of God, the church is the people of God, right? We have the keys to the kingdom to open doors that cannot be closed, to close doors that cannot be opened. There's an authority that we walk in. But may the bride of Christ be like this woman to say, I'm, I'm tired of looking everywhere else. I just need Jesus. Let's get back to Jesus and encountering him. And when that happens, an awakening happens with the next generation. She gets healed. The woman gets healed. And then the little girl gets healed. The sun will arise with healing in his wings. I love Luke chapter 8, verse 45 in the New Living Translation. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, but Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. Verse 46, but Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. How many are ready to be deliberate? On Sunday morning, whatever it is, man, I, I'm deliberate. Deliberate in my prayer time. Deliberate to reach people. Deliberate when I go to Wegmans. I'm thinking, who here am I going to run into that needs the love of God? I mean, like, let's be deliberate about what we're doing when we encounter him. Come on, to know him and make him known. It's the old YWAM slogan, right? Know him and make him known. We need to be deliberate about encountering Jesus. Isaiah 64, 6. We know it was a flow of blood, an issue of blood. I didn't, I didn't mean to make light of it. I was, of course, it's funny, but it's not funny at the same time. Like, understanding what this issue of blood actually was. But when I read Isaiah 64, 6, I want to tie this in and close this here in just a moment. She was unclean. According to Leviticus 15, she was impure. And she shouldn't have even been out, let alone touch a rabbi. You know, imagine like Jarius sees her. If he saw her, he's thinking that we just threw that woman out of synagogue. Or, or like she hasn't been allowed to come for years because of what she suffers with. She was unclean. Isaiah 64, 6, I don't think this is a coincidence. The Bible says we are all infected and impure with sin. We are all as an unclean thing. And the Bible says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. In context, it's talking about the rags that a woman would use on her cycle. Now, what does the Bible say? He doesn't say all your sins are as filthy rags. Catch this. He says your righteousness is filthy rags. What? We're always like, Lord, heal me from my, this disease of sin. Well, yeah, we need that. But he also wants part of the disease of sin 
is the self-righteous attitude and the religious works mindsets that we cling to. And God says, I want to set you free from those filthy rags, your righteousness. My righteousness, my ability to pray, my ability. Oh, I didn't spend time with God and he's not going to bless me now. No, he's going to bless you. So you spend time with him. It's the opposite. Our religious mind has tricked us. Like we think, I didn't read the Bible. So Lord, like I'm going to worship, but I probably won't feel his presence. He'll probably take his presence from me. You're not in the old covenant. He's like super glue. He lives inside you. He ain't leaving. He ain't leaving. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We have this mindset, we think that God's not going to bless us. No, he's going to bless you so that you don't think that way. And so you pray. Well, I haven't read the Bible, so man, I probably won't even understand what the preacher's saying. No, he's going to reveal the word to you so you get an appetite, so you feast on it daily. It's the opposite. We think that like God's not going to bless us. He's like, no, I'm going to bless you so you stop living like this. But may we give him our filthy rags of righteousness and touch his robe of righteousness so that righteousness is transferred to us. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, our faith in Jesus, our radical trust in Jesus has actually transferred God's righteousness to us and now he declares us flawless in his eyes. If you could hear the Lord, man, listen, bring the lights down just a little, not too low though. If you could hear the Lord right now, he's looking at you. I just need to be able to see people's faces. He says, you're righteous. You're flawless. How does that work? I don't know. He just gives us, it's a gift. Well, is there a price to pay? Yeah, your life, you receive it. You surrender, but he paid the price. He gives it to you. You don't have to fast 20 years to, oh, finally I'm righteous. No, it doesn't work like that. You're righteous. How many have ever had, well, I don't need to ask you to raise your hand. Everyone in the room, I'm sure at some point, and if not, then you are blessed and highly favored. Have you ever had an overdraft, overdrawn bank account? Yeah. How many have one right now? Uh, Don't raise your hand. I remember a time in our life, my wife and I were newly married. This is 23 years ago, and we had little Sarah. At that point, Sarah was just a little baby. She was only like nine months old. She was so cute. Puked, pooped, and did, that's all she did. All Sarah did before she became an awesome worship leader is slept, pooped, puked, and ate. That's it. And then she smiled a little bit. So, praise God. Poor Sarah. And we're, we go from a one-bedroom apartment, we're paying 700 a month, to a three-bedroom house, we're paying 40% more. And I lose my job. Good benefits, good job. Oh, no, what's going to happen here? I remember on the way home, no weapon formed against me, prosper. I'm like, God, you got to show up. So I'm doing whatever I got to do. I'm hustling, man. And I don't mean like in the street slinging or anything like that. I mean, I was just going after it. I mean, no, we need to work, man. Men, we got to work, get, get a job, work. Well, that's part of the fall. Nope, they work before the fall, six days a week. And so I'm working and I'm doing, I end up getting involved in my dad's business and he's mentoring me. My dad's a successful mortgage banker and, uh, and I start learning the business and I go for it. I'm working 10, 12, 14 hour days. My wife's at home taking care of little Sarah and I'm out working late and 
I'm just hustling. I'm trying to make, make some things happen. By the end of the month, thankfully, as a mortgage banker, I ended up closing some deals. And I got my first paycheck. Now, that time, it was not uncommon for our bank account to be overdrawn. We don't have enough to make. I'm like borrowing money. Like, it's it just, it's not fun. So I went from making a certain amount, and then I get my first paycheck, and it was nearly double what I made at my other job in one month. And I'm like, thank you, God. So my dad's like, feels good, huh? I'm like, yeah, thank God for provision. And I'm a giver. I'm tithing. Like, I'm just like, I can't afford not to tithe, even though, you know, I'm like, I'm giving. And, and I saw a breakthrough, and it was amazing. And, and we went from overdraft accounts to abundance. It was beautiful. I call Rochelle. I'm like, baby, we got enough money to pay bills and some. We're going on a date. Come on, somebody. Steak tonight. Mm. And uh, my dad says, I want to go with you. Hear me. I want to go with you to the bank, and we're going to count out. I want you give her the check, but I want her to count it out to you. I'm like, dad, that's embarrassing. I don't want it. He's like, just listen, I'm mentoring you in the business. Just walk with me, do this. So we walk across the street and it's right by the office and we end up uh, cashing the check and the lady, the tellers counting out all these Benjamins. And I got like this smirk on my face. I'm thinking like this, praise God, you know? And, uh, and then she puts an envelope and my dad hands it to me and he looks at me and he says, now remember how easy this was to make. And I was just like, what? And then he said something else. But in that moment, God reminded me of this moment when I read this scripture that when our spiritual accounts, our sin overdraft accounts, the disease that has brought our medical bills, our, we've got collections, we are just, but thank God we married up. The bride married up. And Jesus canceled all of that and he accredited us with his righteousness. Oh my goodness, man. He deposited in your spiritual account and said, you're totally righteous. In that moment, I'm like, wow. And then my dad said something else. He looks at me and he says, now remember, son, you have it in your DNA. You're an entrepreneur just like me. Not only has God accredited us, with his righteousness, come on, but he's given us his very nature. And he says, not only are you righteous, but you can produce righteousness because my spirit is in you. And by grace, the fruit of my spirit, what produces out of your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Come on, how many know that not only does Jesus heal us, not only does Jesus set us free, come on, not only does he give us a, a credit to our sin overdraft accounts, but then he adopts us into his family, he says, now you're part of the family business and you've got my DNA in you. Come on, you've got my nature in you and righteousness flows from your life as you yield to my nature because the Bible says that we partake of the divine nature and we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. Let me just continue reading here at the end of this. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace. I love what Jesus said to the woman. Your faith has made you whole. Now go in peace. You're no longer unclean. And you're no longer diseased. Oh my goodness. He's saying that over us. You're no longer unclean and you're no longer, you, you're not stained anymore. And you don't have the disease of sin anymore. 
Your whole shalom, the peace of God, nothing missing, nothing broken, rests from your enemies. We have peace, lasting peace with God because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith, faith is radical rest and trust. The flavor of faith is trust and rest. Not, listen, here's a filthy rag we got to get rid of. Our religious works. Sometimes faith we think is this mental, I got to believe, I got to believe. No, faith is, even you can have doubt and have faith. How's that? Because you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I just trust in you, Lord. I just lean into you. When you sit in that chair, you, the faith is just resting. That chair is going to hold you. Now, some chairs break, you know, especially when you, the fatness destroys the yoke. Got to watch out what kind of chairs you sit in. But how many know that there's a, there's a faith, a radical rest and trust where you just know God's got this, man. See, it's your radical, the flavor of faith is rest and trust. And because of that, it guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness. Isn't that so good? I'm just going to finish this last verse here. And it's given us a perfect relationship with God. Well, pastor, I just, I got to work on my relationship with God. Well, you should stop that. It's not good. Well, what do you mean? I, aren't we supposed to have a relationship with God? Yeah. And he gave you a perfect relationship with him. So yield to his relationship with you. Because you can't do it on your own. We've even turned surrender into a religious work. Surrender is not an action. It's the ceasing of action. Lord, I give you everything. I can't do this without you. I'm utterly dependent. Every breath, every breath. Every moment, every second, I'm yours. That'll change your prayer life. Stop trying to work on your relationship with God and realize that he's given you a perfect relationship with him. Jesus has brought you face to face with the Father. In the Old Testament, we sought the face of God. In the new covenant in Christ, we've been brought to the face of the Father. Oh man, we have access by one spirit to the Father, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And in closing here, what incredible joy bursts forth within as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Man, I remember that moment when no longer were our accounts overdraft. You remember that, baby? We could write checks. Oh, man. Listen, spiritually, you can write checks. You need breakthrough. God's already signed it. Your account's full. God, and I'm not talking about name it, claim it. No, I'm talking about it just flows from our life. You need to bring change to the circumstance. You need to shift the atmosphere. Well, your account's full. Shift the atmosphere. You need to pray breakthrough. You're like, oh, I'm just suffering. You know, the enemy's after me. Well, then command the devil to leave you alone. You have authority in him. Hello? Your spiritual account's full. This is who we are and whose we are. And may we be like, maybe be a bride that doesn't get depleted with the wrong things, trying to achieve something, trying to get whole, but just touch Jesus. And may a bride that is whole reach and awaken the next generation. Let's stand up together if you would. Let me just pray for you. Thank you, Lord. I hope you all were encouraged today. I don't know, but I, after worship, 
honestly, I was like, I don't even need to preach. I, I was so undone. When the reality of the nearness and the presence of Jesus fills our senses, I don't know, there's really nothing else that matters to me. I, I just want, and, I, and I, I came up anyways, you know, and I'm here and I preach, whatever. And I took the platform. But I, I, I pray that even in that, I want him to take the platform. I want him to be glorified in everything that I said. It's, the good news is about him. I, I want to be a church that just extols Jesus. What is your church about? It's about him. It's about his presence. We prioritize the presence. It's the primary purpose of the church. Everything flows from that. But what about evangelism? You can't evangelize unless you know him. How do you tell people about Jesus when you've never encountered him? As a church, as the bride of Christ, can we just reach our hands forward? And in our hearts, let's say, God, I don't want to just, I'm not going to press into you. I'm going to be deliberate and intentional and touch the hem of your garment. And all the things that have depleted my life, you make whole. You credit us with robes of righteousness. You say we're no longer unclean and we're no longer diseased. We can walk in this wonderful freedom, kindness, love that you've given us. I pray for wholeness and healing. And may every saint that is here hear you tell them that they are righteous, not only accredited, but also imparted into their being, into the core of their being, the nature of God. He breathed life into you, and now you can produce that righteousness. It makes the Christian life so much more fun. And we realize that God gave us a new nature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's your nature to be righteous. <laughs> it's your nature to be righteous. Man, that's so liberating. <laughs> Thank you, God. Father, bless your people. I love them. Not nearly, not even close to as much as you do, but my heart breaks and my heart bends. And sometimes I just look at their faces and I, I can't even... I can't even express how amazing your people are. People of destiny. I bless them now. I love our worship community, our leaders, and what the Lord's doing. I just thank you, God. Lift your hands with me, would you? And just thank God for the word. Just before we close, would you pray in your prayer language right now? Hallelujah. I'm taking a little more time because it's second service. Thank you. Yeah, just pray. Just thank God for the word. Come on, receive. Receive what he's speaking to you. You're righteous flawless in his eyes that's who you are he's giving you a new robe <laughs> you're free no longer do you have the flow of blood you no longer are you being depleted you don't have to spend your your money you don't have to spend your resources on things that won't work jesus is going to make it work just touch the hem of his garment the sun will arise with healing in his wings lord we thank you we thank you for what you're doing thank you for encounter church i bless every person in this room and i thank you for where we're headed as a people. We love you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. Say it with me. All the honor, all the glory, and all the power to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we seal it with praise? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message 
And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.